The Moten Mailbag is brought to you by the Robert Russo Moten Museum, located in Farmville, Virginia. The Moten Museum is a civil rights museum focusing on the history of Prince Edward County between 1951 and 1964. Welcome back to the Moten Mailbag. My name is Kanan Townsend, Director of Education and Public Program. The Moten Mailbag is a weekly listener question show. Each week we'll answer questions about U.S. history, African American culture, civil rights, and more. Feel free to submit your questions via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moten Museum or email us at info at MotenMuseum.org. So Leah, what's been, uh, what's new in your world? I finished a new book <laughs> and I started a new book. So the new book I'm working on right now is Voices from the Outer Banks. Because I don't know when I'm going to be able to get back there. Because, you know, this year, everything's up in the air. Right. So it's kind of helping a little bit. Is it a good book so far? Yeah. They talked about, um, of course, the pirates. Always fun. Um, pirates? What kind of yeah. Pirates? Blackbeard. Not like I am the captain now, pirates? N- well, I mean, you know, it's. It's the fun of pirates. They just show up and tear stuff up. It's wait, great. wait, wait. Blackbeard was a real person? Yeah, Edward Teach. Oh my gosh, yes. I thought that was like a folklore thing. like. No, it's crazy. So how he works is his beard is just bushy. All right, hold on. I'm going to find a picture to show you but not show you. <laughs> um. y'all, y'all, y'all can't see it, but I can see it. I totally thought the Blackbeard the pirate. You can Google it. I mean, yeah, but you got to be careful what you read on the internet. <laughs> It was like a, you know, like a, like a, like Captain Jack Sparrow, like was not a real person, but inspired. I think it was like a, inspired by real people, kind of folklore. Yeah, check this guy out. He set his beard on fire. Interesting looking. Yeah, I bet if I had a beard on fire, I'd probably set it on fire. I mean, it's state. part of his. We're probably oh. getting my food or something. <laughs> this is not planned, by the way. I, I just, I legitimately didn't know Black Beard was a real person until two seconds ago. I mean, he, he did a lot, so. You know, what we all know, fact is stranger than fiction. True. So, yeah, this is going on in my world. <laughs> very, 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 very true. Well, we are still uh, under state home order. We are essential, in air quotes. So we are still here and we're still putting out content, um, trying to do the best that we can to support our educators, to support students who are out of school right now. And hopefully support just a casual listener who just wants to listen to a museum podcast. So thank anybody who's listening and please keep sending your questions in. Yes, please. With that said, you ready to get started with our questions for this week? Yes. Got another five questions to throw at you and we will start with this one for Leah. Leah, what is your favorite age or ages to work with? Okay, so I'm going to say my top three because kindergartners, number one. Everything's exciting. They just, they're just ready. The sponges, they're like, oh my gosh, she has to talk about this and tell me more. Um, we had kindergartners come in and one walked in the door of the museum and said, I'm so excited. I'm like, me too. I'm so jazzed because <laughs> they were just happy to be there. I'm like, this is amazing. And then Phantom Third Grade, Phantom Third Grader, um, it always, I think back to this third grader I talked to 2014 2015 years ago and we just had this great conversation and I was like yes children can have great conversations they're thinking things they have thoughts they have questions they have ideas let them chat um, and meet them where they are 
and then fifth graders. They're old enough to know some content. Shout out to fourth grade teachers and fourth graders that you help build. So then you, but they're young enough to still have that innocence that just like, but why did this happen to these people? Depending on the context. So yeah. VA, Virginia studies is a great topic. So fourth grade always will have a, have a soft spot for me as well. Mm-hmm. But kindergarten is my answer <laughs> as well. I went through undergrad and elementary education and graduated and decided I did want to be a kindergarten teacher. However, I did not initially pursue my licensure. So I am here at Moton. But if I, I, I kindergarten, I love kindergarten. The energy, you know, the, the inquisitive, you know, they want to know everything. They're excited about everything, like Leah said. You know, everybody's their best friend. Like, it's great. It's great. I think we adults can learn a lot from young kids, especially kind of that kindergarten age range. Um, caveat to say that they are gross. I uh, love my kiddos. The but babies. They are gross. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I So before this whole pandemic thing started, you know, I, I didn't. I already had like 50 things of hand sanitizer because I'm already a germaphobe. I've got a two-year-old at home and she just gets into everything. I'm just like, kids are, I love kids, but kids are yucky. Get your hand out your nose, pull your pants up, stop rolling in the dirt, whatever, whatever. But all that aside, they are wonderful. And I love spending time with, with the young kiddos, but they gross. Oh, Lord, hand sanitizer, <laughs> hand sanitizer for days. <laughs> Okay, okay, let's let's segue from that uh that beauty of a uh, description. What profession would you be doing if you were not at the Moton Museum? My easy answer is teaching just because that's what I most of my undergrad was in, but I will say as another option, um, finishing up a masters in May. And so I think I would have been in the masters either way if I wasn't at Moton, but um probably working on a PhD. Uh, I'd imagine maybe in African American studies or something like that, um, some way to 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 integrate all my interests together. You know, African American history, mental health, education, some way to kind of put all those combine those into into one thing. Um, which would mean I'm working on a PhD in something. I don't know what, mm-hmm. but working on a PhD in something. What am I gonna do with the PhD? That's not what the question said. But if I wasn't at Moton, <laughs> I'd probably be working on a PhD in something with odds towards something else. What about you, Leah? I would be a history professor. Big old history nerd, cover a lot of different aspects and avenues. And if you're a professor, you can teach, you can do deep dives. And they're older, so they should be able to handle more um, content. And then, but part of that also is teaching those, you know, skills. But I did dream once of being an archaeologist, but I'm sure I can, you know, if I was a history professor, I can make that work. I can find a friend and go do a dig somewhere. You're describing Indiana Jones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What kind of institution would you want to teach at? Like a research heavy one or like more like a liberal arts college mm, or somewhere in between? Somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. I don't have any examples of colleges yeah. that are actually like I that. I mean, but. I just feel like liberal arts covers, gives you enough space to do what you want to do. Um, but, yeah. I mean, you could do the research, too. You're also yeah. really good at research. Yes, I love it. I love it. So, talk, speaking <laughs> of things that you love, favorites. So, what is your favorite non-history topic? Zoology. Study of animals. Why? 
They are <laughs> precious, adorable, kind of scary. I mean, let's, let's be clear. Um, this morning, there were two slugs on my house. That's exciting. You know, yeah, just random. They just show up random places. Um, this is not a debate podcast, <laughs> so I'm not going to argue. But no, I am making faces if you are. Yeah, they're, they're pretty strong faces, too. <laughs> I just, mm. you know, learning about animals and their habitats help learn help you learn about the world. Very helpful. You know, if you are limited to how much you can travel, you get to go without going. Also, shout out to Planet Earth, David Attenborough. Learned a lot. Got really stressed when the climate, um, the latest one's like, well, all the ice, like the icebergs are leaving. They're gone. Um, we got to work on that. I was like, oh my God, we got to fix this. A baby Walmart may die. He fell off. He was fine. He was fine. But there was, there was concern. So yeah, zoology. I'll say, I, <laughs> I, Leah knows, and I'm sure other people know, but just, I am not a big animal person per se. However, I will say some of the best documentaries out there in terms of like quality or like, and some of my favorites too are, are animal documentaries. Um, and I'll say if you want, like anytime you want to like show how like high definition your TV is, the first thing you're going to put it on is like an earth documentary to show all those rich, vibrant colors of nature and animals moving very quickly like seeing a hummingbird, because hummingbirds move super fast, but yeah. seeing them move and seeing their wings flutter, like that kind of, like that's really, really cool to look at. With that being said, I'm still not a big animal person, <laughs> but that's okay, because I don't have to be, because instead of animals, I prefer numbers. So math is, <laughs> is, is my favorite subject, not non-history or otherwise. I love math. Me and calculus go way, 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 way back. Derivatives, integrals, all that fun stuff. I, I love math. I know a lot of number haters that are out there, and that's okay. But me at math, you know, algebra, starting back at, like, third grade, when I first started learning multiplication, I know kids may learn multiplication sooner now, but back in my day, we learned multiplication in third grade. I, I knew that math was something special just because I could memorize, you know, I memorized all the numbers, and I could tell you all the tables like that. Um, and then from there, you know, to division and fractions and all other stuff, like, I just love it. I love it. And it's so practical, so useful. No matter what field you're into, you have to know some sort of math, whether it's statistics or probability or, or you know, or, 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 um, or calculus, or if you're into carpentry or whatever, you have to do measurements. Like math is like, is universal. Animals are okay, I guess, but math, <laughs> I think, is a, <laughs> it's a much more accessible field. Mm, Maybe. Is it though? <laughs> but, but it's hard. It's, it's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. So, Leah, <laughs> moving off of the glories of math, um, what are some creative collaboration ideas between museums and other museums, uh, museums and libraries, or museums and schools that you can share with the people? I like when museums um, look at their collections and what they have and what they focus on, and they reach out to make um, connections with other institutions that in grad school, collaboration was everything. So being able to collaborate with other institutions benefits both groups because then we can help give a, flesh out the story a little bit. Um, if everything goes as planned, Moton is actually collaborating with the Virginia Museum of History and Culture to do a uh, webinar that's free 
on Barbara John's Day. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, April 23rd, because people, we can't physically come to the museum and talk about her, but being able to go online and um, share part of our collections together, kind of help flesh her story out a little bit more and very looking very much forward to it. That's a great example of a collaboration and also a shameless plug at the same time. So I yes, shameless. very much support that. Yeah. 100,000%. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different stuff. And, and, and Lee and I both have traveled to like libraries and historical societies and all sort of things. And there's those type of collaborations. Uh, but also, you know, if you're a museum professional listening, and you want to learn about how partner, you know, partner with a school. I mean, I, I guess that's kind of my, my big example. We have a, a very strong partnership with with a school division. Um, it's about two and a half hours away from us. And they actually do an independent study. Um, but uh, all independent study for their students who they kind of conduct this research and they come to Farmville and they present the research. Uh, but but my, my big thing about that is the key is finding a, a teacher, right? A, a, at least one motivated teacher that was, that was, that was invested in the story, invested in your history, or just touched by your museum um, or your site. Because that's how that our process with this started, because we had one teacher who really gained something from a speech that he heard one time. And from there, he's been our biggest champion in that county and continuing to make sure that we interact with, with that. Um, I think you, you, you do your best to do the work for them, right? Because teachers already have to do so much. So if you do that background stuff for them and then you present them with an idea, they're for it, they'll go with it. I mean, they're not, they're not. But, you know, if you do that, then you make their lives even easier kind of in the long run. And that way, you know, they can get to kind of take it, take it and run with it. So we are lucky to have good partnerships with lots of schools throughout the state of Virginia. Uh, but, you know, if you're looking out there to try to make collaborations and partnerships with different orgs, just, you know, come up with their idea and then find your, find your people, find your inside people, find your champions, because those will be the people who really push it forward within those, within those organizations. And then it doesn't always have to be the top person either. You know, you don't always have to go to the director or the executive director or the principal or whatever, right? But if you find those motivated people, you know, they'll kind of do a lot of the pushing for you. At least that's how, what happened in some of our experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's a um, bit of a common thread as well. We went to VAM this year, to the Junior Museum the Virginia Association of Museums and one of the sessions talked about this blatantly said, find a teacher who's willing to work with you and you're good to go. So. But you got to maintain it. Yeah. Um, because often somebody leaves, there goes that whole connection, you know, so you got to maintain it. You got to transition, you know, in terms of longevity and such. Mm -hmm. All right. So now we're on to the cultural type question of the day. Um, last week, the first week of the podcast, we talked about, we talk about movies, mm -hmm. uh, and today we're going to talk about music. So, Leo, favorite musical album, albums, artists, genre, etc., within or influenced by African-American culture? I'm going to have to say Whitney Houston's album, Whitney Houston. Um, iconic for so many different reasons. Sing it. Um, can map my childhood by listening to Whitney Houston. I remember the day she died, it was traumatic. It was beyond traumatic, tears flowing. So, definitely that album. Yeah, still play it. Played it yesterday. Do you care to sing something for us? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't sing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, but I'm not. Um, I mean, you should. When, oh, I support you. You are gaslighting me. <laughs> like this is not cool. <laughs> Whitney Houston is a good pick. Um, and Bobby Brown is also a good pick, but that's not my pick. 
<laughs> my pick is anything Motown or Motown inspired. Uh, Temptation, Supremes, Mary Wells, Marvin Gaye, Stevie. Uh, really, you know, recently, I've been trying to get into the more, the, the, the newer, not the newer, but like the later Motown stuff, like the Tina Marie's and the Rick James. I mean, mm. you name it. Oh, Motown. That's that's my answer to anything music based. Most of the time, I was born on the see. I was born in the wrong time. I really should have been born between <laughs> the years of nineteen forty eight and nineteen fifty two. That way, I could have lived through all of that music and everything else. I, you know, not for everything else, but just for the music. If I could have lived in any other time period, this should be a question, but I'm answering it anyway. <laughs> um, I'd want to live through that time period and then getting into like. You know, the late 60s and then the 70s with, like, you know, the James Brown, even though he wasn't Motown, but, like, I, all that music, I, li- I live for it. Now, I realize I've answered the past two cultural questions with music and music biopics. <laughs> However, I stand by it because Motown is everything. Yeah. Everything, everything. Um, yeah, so that's my answer for that. Anything else for you? I think that's it. That is all that we have for you all here today. So with that, we will say this concludes this installment of the Moten Mailbag. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you follow us at Moten Museum on all social media to stay stay up to date with what's going on at Moten. Um, Join us next week, same time, same place for episode three. Please, please, please send in your questions, your thoughts, your murmurings. The questions you don't know how to ask. Just put all the words on the paper and we'll figure it out. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks. Bye. The Moton Mailbag is brought to you by the Robert Russo Moton Museum, located in Farmville, Virginia. The Moton Museum is a civil rights museum focusing on the history of Prince Edward County between 1951 and 1964.